I have a, I have a little bit of a, a, a question to ask you guys. It's, it's really uh, kind of relative based upon who's asking the question and who's responding to the question. But my question is, is uh, at what point in a person's life would you say that they are middle-aged? That's my question. Okay, now, I'm not going to be offended. Just throw out some numbers here, okay? Give me a number, someone. 50 is middle-aged. Actually, actually, um, I, think, I think the, the mortality rate in the States is what, like 70, 70, maybe around 70? So 50 arguably is, no, it's not 50, come on. Uh, give me another number, someone. 35, okay, 35, mid, middle age. Now, I've been thinking about that, and it, let's say, let's just take your 30, who, who said the 35 there, by the way, I'm just, how dare you? Donald, how dare you? Oh, he points the quest, I love that. It wasn't me, he made me say it, okay. Now, um, <laughs> okay, according to Donald's definition of mid-aged, I'm, I'm kind of past it, right? <laughs> I've realized that. I've realized that. And Raina and I, sometimes we just, you know, uh, find solace in each other as we just share that, that truth. I kind of feel that at this point in my life, most of my first times are behind me. I don't know if that's true for you guys, if you feel the same thing. But when I was young, like the folks over there and smatterings over there, I would always look to my, forward to my first time. For example, when I was younger than, than 16, the thing that I was looking forward to for my first time was voting. voting. Come on, you know. <laughs> drink, drink. We're in church, Gordon. How dare you? Uh, um, it was driving, right? It was driving. I was, I was really looking forward to my first time behind the wheel. And, you know, honestly, uh, you guys would be scared when I say this, but I took, I took the test three times. The first two times, I failed it. I failed it. But I'm a safe driver. Don't get the wrong impression. I am, mostly. I, I was looking forward to the first time I ever got a girlfriend. First time for that, for me, was in high school. First time I ever got a paycheck. Now, I'm going to tell you how good it was. I was making, I think it was like 6 or $7 per hour. But you've never seen such a small amount of money so quickly go to a person's head, you know? I was, I was, I was, it was, I was such filled with joy, like I'm, I'm actually able to make some money. Um, first time to uh, get married. I know that sounds weird, but there, yeah, I mean, I was a groomsman like 10 times. And I was just wondering, is everyone going to be my time? And then it was finally my time. And then there's the first wedding night. And that was really awesome. And then my first kid. And when he came out, I was so nervous and so excited. And we took, you know, like all these pictures. It was in the digital, you know, camera era. You know, it still was. Took all these pictures. And then the second kid came. And we took some. And then the third kid came. And it's like, do we have any pictures of her? You guys kind of know this. And why is that? Because there's nothing like your first time. And I've reached a point in my life where most of those first times are behind me. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little sad about that. Now, I know there's, there's other things to look forward to, like the first time my kids are going to get baptized. I'm, oh, man, I'm going to weep tears of joy. And there's the first time I ever walk my daughter down the aisle. And 
Actually, that would be a terrible day. But, you know, but, but that would still be a first time for that, right? But then it's like most of, most of my first times are behind me. I'm past middle-aged. Here's the thought I want to share with each of you guys. I was thinking about it this week. There is a first time for something that none of us at this point, doesn't matter how old you are, you haven't experienced it yet. And in the Bible, it's the first time for this thing that we're supposed to be looking forward to, yearning for, waiting for it, any moment, any moment. It's the first time that you will see Jesus Christ face to face. I don't know, when was the last time you thought about that? But did you know it's going, it's going to happen? It is going to happen. For every person here who is in Christ, there will be one day when you will look at Jesus Christ face to face. You will stand before his presence. Now, the Bible says it's either going to be when uh, he comes in glory in his second coming, or it'll be when you die and then you stand before him. But, but someday is going to be your day. Now, I'm telling you, you thought your first kiss was amazing. You haven't seen anything yet. This is the day of all days. This is the day where every day is pointing to that day. This is the culminating day of your life, the defining moment of your life, the moment you look at Jesus. When was the last time you thought about it? What were you going to say? But more importantly, what is he going to say about you? What is he going to say to you? Have you thought about that? That's the day. And it's never happened to any one of you. And that's still ahead. You know, I could define my role as a pastor. Like, if you could just give me, like, tell me what you're called to do in one line. I would actually say it's like this. Prepare God's people for that day. I would say it as simply as that. Prepare God's people for that day. That's what you're called to do. Uh, I want to make this very clear at the beginning of the series. Because for the next 40 days, we're going to be preparing you guys for that day. It's Lent. But I want to make this very clear. None of you guys, when you stand before Jesus, none of you guys are going to say, Look, Jesus, now that you've said what you've said about me and what you think about me, I should go to heaven because I lived a very, very good life. None of you have the right to say that. You cannot earn heaven. I just want to make this really, really clear. You, you cannot earn heaven. Can you, can you turn to someone next to you and say, you cannot earn it? Can you, can you do that? Okay, thank you. I just want to make that very, very clear. No, no, no. no. Okay. The, the Bible says there's nothing that we could have done to earn it. So that's the whole reason why Jesus came. Jesus was God's rescue plan. He earned it for us when he died on the cross in our place. So there's no sense in saying, look, I'm going to live this really good life so I can earn heaven because you can't earn it. It's a free gift of God. But I want to make this very clear, okay? Which is that we do not work hard to get saved. But one of the reasons why we are saved is so that we can work hard. I mean, let me say that again. You do not work hard to get saved, 
But one of the reasons why God saved you, I mean, the, maybe the biggest reason, because he, he wants to enjoy you, because he treasures you, he wants to enjoy you forever. But one of the reasons you're saved is so that you can love other people in amazing ways for the rest of your life. That, that's why you were saved. So again, my job is just to prepare you for that day of his coming. That's, that's what these whole 40 weeks are about. Now, can you guys turn your, your Bibles to Matthew 24? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 24. You're going to turn your Bibles to Matthew 24 uh, for the next 40 days. Because there's two chapters here in the Gospel of Matthew that are all about preparing for the day of Jesus and his second coming. So, uh, it's, it's, these chapters are all about how you wait for Jesus. How do you wait for Jesus? I mean, why didn't he just, the moment we were saved, why didn't he just zap us and take us to heaven? Well, well we're, we're here for a reason, and we're waiting for that day of his coming. So what are we supposed to do while we're waiting? And Matthew 24 is all about answering that question. Uh, Matthew 24 and 25. Now, uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's really different about the first part of Matthew 24. It's prophetic and apocalyptic literature. Now, I've, this is a bit of a confession, I've never preached on prophetic, apocalyptic literature before. And part of the reason why is because it's so loosey-goosey. And there's all these different theories, and so it's really hard to nail down. And, but but I, I would say I've listened to a series of teachings on these chapters by D.A. Carson, and I feel, I actually feel like it makes sense to me now. And so I, I kind of want to share it with you guys, what I've been learning, okay? Now, uh, we're going to go and go straight to verse 4. But, but what I want to do is, is to help you guys uh, attract with me. And so what I've done is I've, I've actually either created or bought four visual images... That, that allows you to see what Jesus is talking about. And I'll, I'll kind of explain these as we go, okay? Okay, verse 4. Um, oh, one more thing before we go into verse 4. Uh, from verse 4 to verse 14, this chunk of scripture that we're going into, Jesus is talking about the time between his first and second coming. Okay, so all of uh, time really has been uh, categorized according to the day that Jesus came and A.D. all the time afterwards. So this time afterwards, which we find ourselves in now, is this time of waiting. We're still waiting for his second coming. We're still waiting for his return. And this time between his first and second coming is called the interadvental period. Now, that's a, I don't know if you guys use that word a lot. It's probably a new word for you. Uh, can you guys repeat that after me? Interadvental period. And Jesus says, okay, this time, I'm going to describe what this time is like. And he gives us four characteristics. And again, I put four visuals with each of those characteristics. Starting in verse 4. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And then many will fall away. Can you guys say fall away? And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets, can you guys say false prophets, will arise and lead many astray. And because 
lawlessness will be increased. Uh, lawlessness, you know, like anybody ever watch so much TV and it's filled with sex and violence that you kind of become desensitized to it? Uh, a lot of lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, so, okay, so there's this first characteristic of this interadvental period, the age that we find ourselves in right now. And I'm trying hard to think of a symbol that characterizes it. And this is the symbol that I got, okay? So the first one is that um, see that no one leads you astray. And then many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. So the first one is uh, the symbol of the Antichrist. How extreme can I be? How clear can I be, right? But, you know, even, even St. John said there's a lot of little Antichrist. There's false teachers, a lot of false teaching that's around. Okay, now, again, I could go into the history of the church. I can talk about things that are happening these days. I think you have a sense that there is a lot of false teaching around. But let me just go straight to the application. Do you guys know your scripture pretty well? Do you guys say that you know your scripture pretty well? Because the people who are least likely to be led astray are the people who know their scripture really well. And so that's one more reason to really love your scripture, to know what it's teaching you so that you will not be led astray. Now, uh, I've actually lumped two into one. And the back of this symbol is this. Have you guys seen this symbol before? You guys like, yeah, I've seen that in the back of cars. It's like the Acura symbol. No. What, What symbol is that? It's the symbol of atheism. Okay? Now, what I want to do is just uh, describe to you what's happening around the world. Just, just so you can see with amazing clarity that what Jesus is foretelling is really happening on a very large scale. Okay, this is a map of the world. Did I get that right? Yeah, this is a map of the world. Okay. And what you see is that... How many guys have been to Europe recently? You've toured around Europe. And I bet what you, one of the things that you did is you went to these churches. And there's beautiful churches, stained glass windows, all this pomp and decor. Like, whoo, it's so beautiful. And it's full with tourists. But then like on Sunday morning, it's like empty of worshipers. Do you guys know that there is a wave of either lukewarm Christianity or no Christianity at all that's sweeping over Europe? I don't know if you, if you know this. But it's happening on a very wide scale. And so it's actually sweeping across Europe. But, but where, where is it going towards? It's going west. And where's the country that's west? It's actually sweeping across America. Do you know that, that numbers, the people that are in church on Sundays, that all the denominations mostly are losing members? And the numbers of atheists are growing in America. And the, the, the Christian headquarters it used to be in europe and then people would say oh yeah it's moved to america america still sends out the most missionaries but it's leaving america a wave of nominal faith and atheism is 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 leaving europe arguably it's already left and now it's leaving the states and so jesus is predicting this there's going to be false teaching which is people will will believe anything at all or there's going to be atheism, which is people believe nothing. And this is happening on a global scale. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, Verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam, the Korean War. These are only wars that we've been in, involved in a few decades. What about World War II? What about World War III? Wars and rumors of wars, but don't be alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, but these are but the beginnings of the birth pains. So, so the scripture says there'll be earthquakes, I mean, uh, wars, famine, and earthquakes in various places. You guys remember the tsunami that, that devastated Southeast Asia? It was caused by an earthquake in the ocean. And there was an earthquake that ravaged Japan and caused a nuclear reactor meltdown. And by the way, where were you guys during the, the 89 Loma Prieta uh, earthquake? How many of you guys were around for that? Raise your hands. Okay, how many of you guys are in college? Now. I know, I know. I, you guys weren't even born then, right? Well, you guys weren't born then, right? Right, you guys weren't even born then. Wow, this is making me feel even older than, than I felt before. Um, where were you guys when the Loma Prieta earthquake struck? Were you guys in the Bay Area? I was in the Bay Area. I was in Walnut Creek. What, 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 were you, what was happening? What, what was your context? What, what were you thinking? Uh, I was at home in Walnut Creek, and then the wall started shaking. And you know, my first thought, I'm not kidding you. I'm not saying this to, in, uh, um, to be mean. I thought my mom was in the next room doing jumping jacks. Like, like mom, you know. But it kept on going for like 20 seconds. Oh, this is not, this, you know, uh, uh, famines, earthquakes, uh, rumors of, of war. Um, nation will rise against nation. That's international competition. Okay, now, now what's the symbol that would characterize all of these things? I picked this symbol. I think, I think it's appropriate, even though it's not really uh, described. It's a volcano. Why, why volcano? Well, it's hard to symbolize an earthquake, first of all. But, but volcanoes are what? They're very unstable, right? Now, wars, international competition, famine, earthquake. It's all this, uh, this, this reality of instability, like a, like a volcano that could erupt at any moment. It's very unstable. Okay, so that, that would be the, the, the second thing that characterizes this age. And let's continue going on. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now this one we don't really relate to because in America we have, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. But you know that in the rest of the world, especially in the Muslim world, there are thousands of Christians that have been killed. And again, it's, it's, I'm not trying to be grotesque, but we're talking about uh, rape, church burnings, mutilation, and murder. I'll just give you a couple examples. I think you know them. Like in Egypt, how did certain people respond when the dictator was overthrown? What did they do? They burned the churches. They murdered a bunch of Christians. So now the Coptic Christians gather together in the streets and they're protesting. And then the army plows them down, murders more of them, and then 300 people are injured. What about in Pakistan? I don't know if you guys heard what what happened in Pakistan. There was a Christian woman who insulted the prophet Muhammad, allegedly. And so she was sentenced to death. And then international pressure cracked down on this governor. So he's trying to find some way to free this woman or give her a lighter sentence. And his bodyguard kills him. This happened in Pakistan. It's not too long ago. 
I know we're kind of like, well, that's so far away from us. But these are our brothers and sisters. And this is really going on. Did you know that in the past 150 years, more people have been killed for Jesus than all the previous 1,800 years combined? Did you know that? And so for this symbol, I have... um, you know, it really doesn't do it justice for what I actually talked about, um, but here we got some handcuffs, you know. I mean, it's worse. I could have brought a cleaver. That would, would have been maybe a little bit more extreme. But, but here's, here's the third image that we have. We have uh, handcuffs. Now, if you were, imagine reading this about what Jesus is saying that's going to happen in this time in the future. And, and then right now in the past 150 years, more martyrs than the previous 1,800 years. What does that mean? When was the last time you thought about that? What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that Jesus was right. Okay, but there's more, more that that means. But, and let's keep on going. Verse 14. And this gospel. Okay, so we got, uh, we got false teaching. We got atheism. We got massive instability. We got persecution of Christians. And lastly, we have the gospel. So what better way to symbolize that than a Bible? Uh, this gospel of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So I just said it's true that in the past 150 years, more martyrs for Christ than the previous 1,800 years. But guess what? Did you know this? In the past 150 years, there have been more conversions, more people coming to Christ than the previous 1,800 years. There is what some have called this spiritual tsunami. Faith is leaving Europe and it's leaving uh, the states. It's, it's certainly leaving the Bay Area. And you know where it's going? Oh, my goodness. South America, Africa, Southeast Asia. And people have called it this spiritual tsunami. It's swept over Europe. It's swept over America. It's leaving America. And it is going to Asia. It is going to Africa. It is going to South America. So guess what? Like, uh, our board granted me a sabbatical this summer. And I'm like, I want to go where the action is. I want to go to China. People are like, I want to, like, visit the house churches. And people are like, go there, that's great. Just try not to get arrested. Yeah, okay, I'll try. But I'm, I'm, I'm hungry to see this action. Now, what I want to, to, to uh, show you guys is some of the action. And so, uh, why don't you watch this video? We're going to be watching it for about five minutes. It's going to give you a sense of what God is doing on the other side of the world. Take a look at this. I love Taiwan. The food, the people, the spirit on this island is just amazing. A small island that throughout history was occupied by many countries. In 1994, an 18-year-old was caned for graffiti. That's Singapore. Indonesia is the fourth most populated country in the world, and yet it is one of the poorest. It is a country that has gone through political strife in the form of riots almost every 10 years. It is a country where corruption is blatant and obvious, like the distance between the rich and the poor. Muslims dominate this country, for Indonesia has the most followers of Islam in the world. And even in this climate of opportunity, a tiny minority of Christians are steadily building a movement. But the story of faith begins in 1998, 
in the midst of one of the most horrible riots ever in a hot urban city called Surabaya on the southern part of the island of Java. My spiritual big brother, Pastor Philip Montofa, tells us his story. I actually felt the call to come back to Indonesia when a certain Christian band from Indonesia came and visited our church and sang a song about the, the, the title of the song is Indonesia for your glory, Lord. I never planned to go back to Indonesia whatsoever. I, I, I made a decision in the year of 1997 that I would go back the next year, which is 1998. Riots began because Indonesia has political instability, economical problems. That's why the rich and the poor, the gap is so huge, so deep. The riots started the 13th of May, and I was supposed to go back on the 14th. And everyone just told me, cancel my plan. The phones just ring in my house, my room, just tell me, just stop, Philip. Everyone who knows me and cares for me, just say to me, do not go back to Indonesia. Everybody who can afford it will leave Indonesia right now. On the day, the 14th of May, I knelt beside my bed. I said, Lord Jesus, you've been too good to me. You do not have to give me anything. To, you don't have to persuade me. So I said, just give me one simple sign, the inner peace in my heart. And at that moment, I felt an inner peace. And I flew on the 14th of May, 1998, when Indonesia was at the worst moment. The only word that can describe Indonesia then, during that time is just one word, hell. But I returned to hell to bring down the kingdom of heaven. This evening, this, this evening, God wants me to tell you that He wants to make each and every one of you of His fisher of men. when I returned to Indonesia, my ministry was preaching the gospel to the Muslims. I did not force Christianity on them. I asked them for their needs. What their needs were that cannot be met by human beings, cannot be met by doctors, cannot be met by their religious leaders. I would just offer them a pure, simple love of Jesus Christ and I told them how Jesus loved them and that Jesus in me is able to touch them. And I'll just pray for people. People are getting healed. The lame just walk. Cancers just fall off in front of the eyes of many. And the deaf could hear again. The blind saw. My faith starts from this. From a realization that many people in my country doubt the Christian God. And most sadly, those people who doubt the Christian God are the Christians themselves. Who, if not us who have realized this fact, this truth, to come forward and say, Dear Jesus, use me in a way that boggles the mind of Christian. So I just come forward and volunteer myself and say, Lord Jesus, I'll go to the end. I'll go to the most impossible place right now we can think of. It's the runway in an international airbase. Let's do something there and let's proclaim the name of Jesus right there. 
guys, when you're watching that, how are you feeling? Now, I'll be honest with you. When I was watching that, I felt really excited, but I felt really, like, de- depressed. Because <laughs> there's something in me that was like, I want to I be there. I want to I be on the front line where God's doing this amazing work, you know? And then it makes you just go, God, do something amazing here, you know? Uh, but that's, that's a different, that's not a different thing. It's, it, that's honestly how I was feeling. Now, um, <clears throat> Okay, uh, we're staying with the scriptures. Uh, remember, the, the, the Jesus is talking about the characteristics of this time, and he's talking about uh, it's either like a false teaching or it's atheism, or there's going to be great instability, but there's going to be great persecution for Christians, and the gospel is going throughout the whole world. The gospel is going throughout the world. Now, I want to actually talk about us and our time, make it kind of uh, relevant. And what I do need is a volunteer. You know, I think this, this message has been pretty heavy, been pretty heavy. And so what I like to do is just, just lighten it up a bit, you know, kind of get us this, uh, some, a little bit of levity, if that's okay, if that's okay. So I, I just need a volunteer, uh, preferably someone in high school, someone brave. I realize that, that you're not going to come up here unless I give you money. I will give you five bucks. I only have three. I'll give you four bucks if you come up here. Come on, guys. High schoolers. Going once. Matt. Matt is a brave soul. Matt, you rock. Okay, Matt. But I know Matt would have done it for two bucks. So, Matt, I'm just going to give you two dollars. No, Matt, I'll give you four. I'll give you five. If I had five, I would have given you five. I have a 20, but that's just way too much. Sorry. Here, bro. No, come on. I'll treat you to lunch. How's that? Okay. Okay, Matt, how old are you? Fifteen. Okay, fifteen. We're going to do a little bit of life planning for you right here and right now. How does that sound to you? Okay. Okay. We're going to talk about your best life now or, or, or in the near future, okay? Mm. Okay, and what we're going to do is we're going to make a um, uh, snow globe, water globe. It uh, goes by many names, water globe. We're going to make a water globe, okay? And I found this on YouTube I've never done this before, but I'm sure it's going to work. Okay, so I bought this right here. This is going to be the snow globe. Now, what we have here is a platform. This would be Matt's life, okay? Now, you have a really big decision to make, okay? You're going to marry someone, and this person can either be a doctor or a stormtrooper. They're they're Lego (laughs) options, okay? Which one would you rather marry? Are you sure? The stormtrooper is going to be a lot more fun. Okay, doctor. Okay, let me find the, the female face. There it is. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to put this on the platform that's going to be your, your best life now. Go ahead and put that on. Now I'm going to give you another choice. Okay, you're making these choices that are greatly going to influence and affect your future. Okay, uh, you can either have a really nice house. See that? I made that myself. Or, or you can have, like, the perfect car. Okay, we can fix that. <laughs> No, no, no. You see, there's a head. There's like the good, the, the oh. good wife and the bad wife. <laughs> Let's do the good wife. There you go. The good wife. That's a TV show, actually. It's a smart show. I kind of like it. Um, anyways, okay, you have one wife. She's, uh, let's say she's a pediatrician. Let's just say that she is, okay? Okay, and then you have now another choice to make. You can have this really nice house or this amazing car. Which one do you choose? You've got to choose one. Because you can't put both on the platform. You've got to make some choices. Make some choices, Matt. I want the house. That is smart, right? Why? Because it's worth much, much more. Now, now watch that. Good, good. Now you're going to make another choice. Oh, 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 okay, okay. So you get married. How many kids do you want? How many kids would you like? I, you really only have uh, the maximum of three. You can say none. 
Okay? I know this is a very important decision. People take years to think about this. You get 10 seconds. Go. <laughs> two kids. Okay, two kids. Okay, they're both boys. I'm sorry. Here. You can put those right there in your, in your uh, best life now. Okay, now here's the last thing, okay? Here's the last thing. This would be your job, okay? She has a little cup. It's a little trophy. It's like your accomplishments, right? It's like your prize, okay? Now, <clears throat> so accomplishments in life. What, what would you love to do? Um, go to heaven. You know, it's not fair. No, no, I think that's awesome. Go to heaven. Go to Las Vegas. We were doing really well like 10 seconds ago. Okay, we're, we're talking about. Let's say go to Las Vegas. Let's do that. Let's just do that. Let's go. I'm just going to go with you. We're just going to go to Las Vegas, okay? Because you, you got the house and you got the wife who's a pediatrician and the two. They just go to Vegas. Yeah. Let's just go to Vegas. That's right. Okay, that's good. Okay, so now check this out. This is where I, 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 I did it online. You pour the water in it. And what do you need for a perfect life? Glitter. You need the glitter, right? You put a lot of glitter. I'm going to put a lot of glitter in your life, okay? It's going to be glitter wonderful. Now I'm going to put this right here. And this is like a, 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 a canning jar. <clears throat> so it puts the pressure in the right places so it will not leak, okay? Now this is what you do. You go like this. You shake it up. And this is your best life now. Tell me it's not beautiful. Yeah, let's give them a hand. This is, this is wonderful. This is... Why don't you keep this? No, no, actually, I'm going to hold on to this because these, these Legos belong to Ryan. And you know how he feels about his Legos. But you did a great job. And you get four, $4, maybe 20 next time when I treat you to lunch, okay? okay? Thank you, man. You're a brave soul. I love you, man. Great job. Great job. Okay. Now, now that I've, we've had a little bit of fun, you're going to feel like I'm going to be mean to Matt. I'm not going to be mean to Matt. I'm just going to be mean to all of us, okay, including myself. Now, this is what we do. This is, I'm just being honest. This is like a little mirror, okay? A little mirror for me to see, a little mirror for all to see. Okay, now Jesus is saying, look, this time, this age, you're supposed to be waiting for me, okay? And so it's a time of great instability. There's going to be false teachers because people will believe anything. There's going to be atheists because people won't believe nothing. There's going to be persecution of Christians, and there's going to be the gospel going through the whole world. And what do we do in the Bay Area? We create our own little bubble, our own little water globe. Because this is our best life now. We want all the blessings of heaven. But without Jesus. We, just, we want comfort. We want success. We want our best life now here in the bottle. You know, we're not persecuted. We have this freedom to get everything we want. And to live in splendor and, and comfort. And, you know, my, it's about my career and my family and my dreams. What would I want? And, and imagine Jesus like, do you understand this time? You're supposed to be waiting for me. And while you're waiting for me and Christians are being persecuted, you're, you're, you're like, I'm all in for your glory. Use me. Use every part of me for your glory, for your gospel to go forward. That's what my life is about. It's not about building this perfect bubble in this life. Right? No, I, I do the same thing. I'll give, I'll give you an example, okay? <laughs> so, so, so for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in for God's glory. And, and then there's that, 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 uh, that saying by, by Dawson. 
God can do more through one person who's 100% sold out to him than 90 people who are 90%. Now, I like to think I'm 100%, but I would say that in my realm, it's like the church world. And in my church world, I'm 100% for God's glory. Everything's about for him. But there's also places outside of church world, and I'm really not very intentional about that. And I'll tell you, I was thinking about this this week. I'm like, okay, because sometimes a preacher kind of feels like, you know, it's my job just to really uh, present the truth. And it's your job to apply it, you know? And, and so I'm really working. No one, no one's actually, oh, Andrew, I love how you apply these in your own life. I think people are more interested in how I deliver the message. But I think God has a different scale. And so I'm, it's the middle of my week, and I'm thinking, okay, how can I be totally sold out to the mission of God? I'm not just trying to build my own little perfect bubble world here in this life. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the way to get a haircut. I go to—it's free advertising here. I go to uh, this place in Alameda. Uh, I was looking for a, 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 a hairdresser because in Chinatown, it's too far away. And so, you know, and I'm kind of picky. I want it done a certain way. And so anyway, I'm going to my hairdresser, and I'm thinking, okay, if God's gospel is going throughout the whole world, then I want to be a part of it, not just while I'm in church, but outside of church. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to really take this. I'm going to do something about this message. I'm going to think about this message. I'm going to do something about it. I want you to use me to share the gospel to my hairdresser. That's what I was saying. Would you, would you open up an opportunity? And now the thing for me, I know it's, it's kind of silly, but the thing is, you know, I, I, live, I have a stressful life. So when I go to the hairdresser, I like to relax. And, you know, they're cutting your hair. It's kind of relaxing. It's, you know, it's kind of like this little massage. And I like to kind of, you know, close my eyes and doze off a little bit. It's, it's nice. And so I go to my hairdresser. It's like the third time I've gone, and her name is Jasmine, and we're just talking. And I'm, I'm like, do you know what I do? He goes, uh, yeah, I think you mentioned it before. You're a pastor. Uh, yeah, I'm a pastor. Uh, do, you, uh, do you have any other pastor as your clientele? She goes, no, you're, you're my only one. I go, oh, wow, me? Wow. So then do you know anything about what the Bible says? She goes, no, I have no idea. You're my only source to the Bible. You know, we're like laughing. And so he asked me, how did you become a pastor? And I go, you know, I was just like 14 years old, and I was looking for something, but I didn't know what I was looking for. And then I met this guy who had this amazing relationship with God, and I'm just like, okay, all my life I've been looking for something. I didn't know what it was, but that's it. I want that. And so when this guy actually told me how I can find God and have a relationship with God, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want that, I want that. Now, I've never, she was like, she's like, ooh, I'm not kidding you. She's like, oh, wow, I'm so excited. She's like, why are you saying this? It gives me goosebumps, you know. And she, she's saying, no, it wasn't appropriate. I didn't feel the spirit was saying, now, now, you know, lead her in the sinner's prayer. It wasn't like that. It was just this conversation where she was getting really excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, finding God just changed my life. And so she's excited, I'm excited. And it's like one of those to be continued. But I'm leaving. I'm just going, oh my. I, I prayed. And then God gave me the opportunity. I'm, Shit, this is exciting. What about you guys? Do, do you understand what time we're in? Do you understand? Do you see the time? Do you see? Is your life like the priorities of God are my priorities? Or, or, or are you honestly like my priorities is to build my best life now here in the bubble? This wonderful bubble. Or is it like, you know something? I see this kingdom mission. These times are unstable. 
And I am waiting, and I'm all in for the glory of God. 100%. Where are you? Now, what I want you to do right now for just a couple minutes is you ask the Holy Spirit, is there an area of life that you need to reform? Is there an area of life where his priority needs to be your priority? Is there a place where you need to say, you know something, I'm not going to just go to the hairdresser and relax. Because I'm all, I'm all in for your mission. And what we're going to do now is actually have some time to ask the Holy Spirit that. And I was, I was trying to do you, you guys a little bit of, 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 of uh, some pre-thinking because, you know, like, so I have four categories right here. But there's much more you can do beyond these four. But, but some of us, we, we are all into the mission of Christ at home. But are we around the world? Maybe the, the thing for you is, I'm going to sponsor a child. Maybe the thing for you is, I'm going to actually support a missionary. Some of you are all in, like, you're tithing. And you're giving generously to kingdom causes. But what about your, your time? What about serving Ah, what about your time? Are you all in for God with your time? What about family? You, you make rich provision for... What about your church family? Friends, work, hairdresser, uncle. You're going on vacation. Can you redeem that time? Can you say, your priorities are my priorities. I'm going to get out of the bubble. I'm not going to live in my bubble world in my bubble kingdom, and then have the Son of God come with his kingdom and have me go, I don't really need your kingdom because I try to build my kingdom right here in my own little bubble in the Bay Area. That's the great invitation. Okay, can you guys just, just rise? Can you guys just stand? Uh, just, I mean, some, for some people, standing for two minutes is kind of hard. I'm just going to ask you to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, is there an area of my life that you want to reform, that you want to speak into, And I bet you, if you really ask that question earnestly, either now or sometime this week, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And then it's the question of, are you going to apply? Are you going to do something with it? So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe I can get some some music in the background, perhaps. Um, And then we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Prepare us for the day of Jesus coming back. Either he comes back to earth or we die and we see him, but it's coming. Prepare us, Lord. If there's something that we need to do to take a first step, maybe a milestone step, an area of life that does not reflect your priorities, would you speak to us, Lord? Would you speak to us, Lord? Okay, just two minutes. We're just going to listen. And I'm sure it'll surprise many of you.
I, I imagine that for many of us, during the time of silence, God did highlight something. God is inviting us to reform that, to say, okay, in this area of, of life, your priorities come before my own. Now, my encouragement to you guys is just do it. As soon as you get home or as soon as Monday, just do it. God's given you power to actually fix this. God's given you power to reform this. He doesn't call you to do anything without giving you the resources to do it. Just do it. Maybe it's like enough talk. Just, let's just get it done. Through his power, through his strength, let's just get it done. Now, now, where does our power and our strength to get it done come from? It comes from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's where it comes. You know, Paul says something uh, when he's talking about the Lord's Supper. He says, we do this until the day he comes. We do this until the day he comes. What that means, in part, is that every day we do this, we're remembering what Jesus did, and we're going to keep on doing it until he comes. We're waiting. And part of waiting means we remember. And you will not have strength from Monday through Saturday unless you remember what Jesus did for you. Then you have strength. Then you have unconditional love. Then you have perspective. It's all birthed in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We need to remember this desperately. 